it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the baseball program. In the first half, Coach Rich Benjamin will talk about his first three years leading the program when he led the Wildcats at two national tournaments. Senior Andrew Breitenbach will join in the second half to talk about his career at Indiana Wesleyan as well as the career-ending concussions he had last season. Mark DeMichael will join again in overtime. We're joined now by Coach Rich Benjamin. Can you take us back to the time when you came to Indiana Wesleyan? Because you had built a monster program. You had a ton of success. But something drew you to this place. What was it that brought you here? Yeah, well, you know, I thought it was a great move for our family, uh, and it has been. I think the other piece for us was we were really attracted to the mission of Indiana Wesleyan. Uh, the entire uh, process for hiring and the day that I was on campus, it was like an eight-hour day. Um, you walked away with like some clarity about why Nina wasn't exist. I don't think you can have full clarity of how to implement it in an eight-hour time, but uh, we were certainly attracted to that piece. So you're three years in, and, and in that three-year stretch, you've set the school record twice for wins. You've been to the national tournament twice, but there is always a, a learning process about what is a new place. You know the mission, but you learn it. Take us briefly through these first three years and, and how you've really grown as a leader within this environment. Yeah, well, I think the largest, I guess, step in my growth actually happened this past summer, uh, right after our third season. Uh, we had won the league for the first time since 1985. Um, but, you know, it, there was just some stuff that was just kind of unsettled. Uh, in my spirit that I was looking for answers for, uh, not just from within myself, but those that I lead. And the big piece of that was like how to disciple on a Christian college campus or how to disciple in general on a sports team. Uh, that was kind of the, the big driving point there. So as you went through that process this summer, I, as a guy who reads a lot and thinks through things and is always talking to different leaders, how did you come out on the other end? What, what was it that you really felt like you learned this summer? So the summer started with this intentional word just called joy. The Lord kind of gave me that word in April. I didn't know why. I didn't feel very joyous at the time. Um, I thought really in, in April and May, I was more 
a product of my circumstances around me um, than I was the product of Christ in me invading my circumstances. And so that word joy just seemed like, hey, this is going to be your word for the summer. And uh, as I dove deeper into that word throughout the summer, uh, that's when we, it really led to this whole concept of purpose over platform. So take us inside what that means, purpose over platform. I, I've heard your players say that. I've heard you say that. What do you mean? Well, what we noticed was we had a group of believers, and some of them, uh, including myself, uh, we were getting really wrapped up in the platform. We were getting really wrapped up in baseball uh, or relationships that we were connected to, um, or you know what we're majoring in, like all these external things um, that we're responsible for. Um, were really invading us, and so we kind of saw them as our purpose, and we saw that was to be really, really dangerous. And so, this summer, you know, I felt it was really defined that you know our purpose as a believer is to be transformed into the image of the Father, and to allow that purpose to invade our platforms, to really have an impact on the platforms, the things that God has called us to be a part of in community. What's really fascinating as you as you speak about this last season, if you look at the platform, your team had more success than any team in Indiana Wesleyan baseball history, but there was still this missing piece that you were you were looking for this summer. What was it about last year that drove you to seek this out this offseason? You know, we had some players that um, this past summer I, I reached out to over the phone. Um, I drove to some hometowns and just sat with players for hours. Um, and just kind of picking their their brain and their heart and their mind about, hey, like, who, who is God to you? And what impact does that have in your life and on the baseball field and in relationships and so forth? And what we started to see is what I would call a lot of, like, platform theology, uh, kind of a self-serving gospel where I read the Bible and I pray um, so that my platforms can be, can be better, so I can attain my platforms. And the danger in that is that the platforms, they're, they're never perfect. You know, they're, they're never running on all cylinders. And so when they're not, but it's the thing that you seek, then your attitude, your effort, your words, your actions, your, your commitment can all become a reflection of how your platform is going rather than a reflection of Christ in you and what he would do or what he would look like inside of that platform regardless of the circumstances. So as you look forward now and you talk about pursuing purpose over platform, what's the ultimate purpose that's driving you and your team right now? Well, I think we're on this journey. You know, it's it's very, uh, I hate to call it messy, but it is. It's complicated, right? Like we all come in together with a certain image of the Father. And, and we're operating and living out that in some aspect, but yet there's still growth, there's still clarity needed, there's still understanding that's needed. And so, you know, part of that is just figuring out the most effective way to grow in understanding, to grow in relationship. And so foundationally for us, it's been about uh, this semester, the starting of our discipleship groups. And these discipleship groups, can you take us inside what that looks like? Yeah, so we're kind of on the infant stage of it, but basically what we have is our our coaching staff um, is broken up into basically 10 players for each coach. So you're basically with your position groups that you coach on the field. And, you know, we're leading a, a discipleship session, you know, once, sometimes twice a week. 
and now we're transitioning to the players having a player-led session or communication on that piece as well. And so the, the early stages of this have been basically just trying to build relationship and, and help our guys and ourselves have a healthier image of the Father and what it means to walk in restoration, to walk in identity, and to live that out successfully. And uh, so we see this taking a lot of different steps. I, I'd like to see our discipleship group here over the next month or two kind of dive into the disciplines of the faith and, and what that looks like. And so there's a lot of different directions they can go in, but we've done a lot of them uh, in the cafeteria, just around the dinner table over a meal, uh, which just seems to be a really, uh, you know, kind of a, a very open, comfortable environment, you know, to have some, some really deep conversations. And I'm excited for the second half when, when one of these players will come on, Andrew Bredenbach, and talk about the, some of the transformation in life. And I've, I had lunch with another of your players recently, and there was a very similar story. So it's remarkable to see the growth inside the program that's really reflecting this purpose. But let's transition a little bit to the field, because last year you guys had massive success. You're really exciting to watch. You guys smashed the ball, have set all kinds of school records how do you think this translates and applies to what you're doing on the baseball field? Well, you know, I've heard, you know, the basketball program here talk about the difference between the box and the line, you know, and you can look at earlier podcasts, I guess, for that information. But, you know, I think we've had guys trying to get in that box or think you have to be in a certain box. You've got to be at a certain place in life as opposed to looking at the line and just seeing like, hey, where are you in the line? And what can you do to get just 1% better today in whatever area that is? And so what we've noticed is if we can start looking at each other and our walk and our faith, not as, hey, we have to look or be a certain way, but what's the progression that we may see in your life over two to five years? Then it shows us commitment to growth, this commitment to being transformed. If you take that onto the baseball field, I think there's a few things. One is... If you are a perfectionist on the baseball field, you're in trouble. If you're a perfectionist in your faith in the natural, you're in trouble there too. And so there's a lot of correlations between the faith and what's happening on a baseball field. And so I think the whole idea and identity, just getting free from yourself, it helps you be free from the game. The game is no longer the reason why we exist. It's just another place in which Christ and us can invade can have an impact on and uh, so hopefully our guys you know become more and more free you know as well as the coaching staff you know inside those environments let's talk about what your team actually looks like because again a lot of these listeners have never seen you guys play talk about the style of play in your program yeah well style can change a little bit from year to year based on personnel you know we had some major injuries last year on the offensive side early and we turned into an identity of pitching and defense really fast and and we pitched really well. Uh, coach Holtzleiter, our pitching coach, has done a really good job with our guys. and uh, They struck out 492 guys last year. I mean, it really led the identity of our team. Um, a really fun environment there. I know the stuff that Holtz and the pitching staff has, has done this fall has been really fun to see. This The, the healthy competition and, and the community and, and how they challenge each other. It's been really fun to watch You know their development. But your style can change from year to year, uh, but you really want guys to play for each other. And I think when you build a culture, I've heard people say it takes six to eight years for an organization to reflect 
the ideals that the leader had for that organization when the leader arrived and so and I would say that's true here as well you know like we don't look like an organization that is 12 years down the road that you know has a lot of these things figured out we look like an organization that's three or four years down the road and maybe we're a year or two ahead of the curve there but it takes time to solidify some of those things and and one of those things is just getting guys getting the focus off of competing against their teammate and competing against what we call the ideal uh, which is a measurement or standard above them, kind of the pro standard. And so they've embraced that in the weight room. They've embraced it on the baseball field. And I think uh, it's it's allowed uh, the community just to keep getting closer. A word I see around your program a lot is selfless. What does it look like for a baseball player to be selfless in your program? Well, you know, we put that word on our wall a couple years ago. And at the time, I can't even tell you that I could define it the way, maybe the way I can even today or after the summer. And I think selfless at its base level is, you know, we have a choice. We can either live from self or we can live from Christ. And when you live from Christ, that's the selfless life. It's this choice to live from Christ in you, from the Father, and from the new nature, uh, not from the old nature. And so these are not battles that we win 24-7, um, but it's worth fighting for. It's worth contending for. It's worth growing in. And so just seeing the, the hope and the, and the prayer is that our guys will grow in that journey as well as the coaching staff to better, you know, I wouldn't say just reflect it, but be able to live it out, you know, in its entirety you know, as these years pass and we grow in understanding and, uh, and we grow in the, the details that kind of go into the faith. Last thing, Coach, your program has produced a lot of high-level baseball players. Speak to a recruit now who may be considering Indiana Wesleyan against various options. What's the value added from coming to this place and choosing here for their four-year baseball career? Well, what we've heard from our freshmen this year, and this has been a big, big piece of emphasis that, you know, has finally been like the next progression of the program. But, you know, we, we've met with some of our freshmen. We said, hey, talk to us about your first semester experience. And so, you know, obviously an opportunity to grow in your faith. Um, the academic component here is really strong. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that really stood out was how welcoming the upper class was. And so, this is the first year we've been older more than younger than young, and so, um, and our older guys have done a very intentional job of incorporating our young guys into everything that we do. Uh, you know, it's it's like as iron sharpens iron, so one man does another. They've done that incredibly well, and um, I think that's been a, a huge component. Um, our 2019 recruits have seen that piece. We've had a couple 2020 like overnight visits, and they've walked away with the same experience. And I think that's you know one of the components that we've wanted to see grow the most is now that we have older guys in the room that outnumber younger guys in the room, is their leadership in such a place that they can add value to younger players and start to create a legacy of really leading those younger players well which speeds up their development and creates a sense of belonging and a better sense of team. And we really haven't had even classes to do that till now, but now that we have, it's fun to see that the older guys are taking advantage of that. 
This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by senior Andrew Breitenbach. You were here for Coach Benjamin's first year and have been with him the entire duration of his coaching career here at Indiana Wesleyan. How did you end up choosing Indiana Wesleyan? And, and take us a little bit through the process of, of the first couple of years under Coach Benjamin. Yeah, so uh, in high school, I uh, wasn't really recruited by any schools or anything like that. I didn't really hit puberty till spring of my senior year. So um, it was just kind of looking for a school that would have a good education and stuff like that. And then baseball was kind of second on the plate. So I uh, visited a couple of small schools here and there and fell in love with the campus of Indiana Wesleyan. And then obviously baseball was something where I spoke with the old coach and we agreed to kind of like a walk-on spot on the team. And so it just worked out for myself and my brother ended up coming as well uh, because of the academics um, and then baseball too. And so uh, found out Coach Benjamin got hired and we're super excited to meet him and stuff like that. Our initial reactions were great. Um, and then the first few years under Coach Benjamin were, were really interesting because um, the main focus was changing the culture and everything that it was before Coach Benjamin. It was a losing losing record, you know, bad culture. The, the reputation of the team was not good and just like the morale was bad. And uh, when Coach Benjamin came in, the first thing he said was, listen, like, we're going to be a winning team and we're going to have a winning culture and a winning atmosphere and environment. And that's what we're going to implement here um, over the course of however long we're going to be here, you know. And I, and I know from talking to him, uh, you guys developed a, a close relationship as a player and a, a coach because of how tough you were, because of how you approached the game. What was that like in the early years to have that relationship? And as you guys started to try to establish a culture, what did you see as a player? Yeah, so Coach Benjamin and I clicked pretty much from the start when I got here. Um, we have a lot of commonalities in our competitive nature and stuff like that. So I had the privilege of being kind of the guy that he pulled in from the start and kind of confided in on the player side. Um, and he gave me a, a seat at the table pretty quickly. Um, you know, and as a freshman, um, it was awesome um, having that leadership role and stuff. Um, and f from our side, I think the biggest thing that we saw was how passionate Coach Benjamin was and how badly he wanted us to see that the culture was something that was important to winning, you know, because we would look at all these successful teams and stuff like that. And we were just kind of like, oh, well, they're good. They're talented. That's why they win. And I think Coach Benjamin was already one step ahead of us in trying to figure out how we can create a culture and an atmosphere where guys care about each other and they're playing for each other and not for themselves and that's the environment where success happens and I think that was one of the coolest things that we've started to see over the last few years with Coach Benjamin. 
you guys had a lot of success through the first three years doing that, and, and obviously there was an establishment of, of selflessness and a, and a winning culture, but it went deeper this summer, and he's articulated it, and, and he did in the first half, but there was something happening in your heart alongside that as well. Can you take listeners inside that? Yeah, so um, this junior year, this my, my previous year, um, I had a series of concussions, um, completely random. Um, I've never had a concussion before in this past year. I had five within a span of six months. And so the last concussion was actually the one that took me out of college sports. The doctors told me I wasn't going to be able to play anymore. Um, and that kind of put a strain on the relationship that Coach Benjamin and I had. Um, just because up until that point, baseball was kind of the center point and it was what everything was focused on. And so losing baseball, um, I kind of lost my identity in a sense because that's where I put all my hope in. And I essentially kind of sat down with him at the beginning of the summer and said, listen, like, I can't get anything out of this anymore. Like, I'm done. And I kind of walked away from that relationship and from the team. Um, and then while everything was happening with Coach Benjamin, um, God was doing a great thing uh, in my heart, too. Um, I rededicated my life to Christ at the end of June and essentially just fell in love with God. Um, and the only way I can describe it would be like all-consuming, just like a passion for it, you know, like a passion for reading the Word, a passion for digging deeper and kind of figuring out what everything means. Um, and in the midst of all that, I realized that my relationship with Coach Benjamin and my relationship with the team wasn't about what I could get out of it, but it was how I could serve, you know. And so I called Coach Benjamin up again and apologized for everything that had happened. And it was just this amazing moment of restoration where the two of us just kind of came together. And when we came together, we realized that God was doing the same thing in his life that he had been doing in my life. And it was awesome. It was really cool. So when you think back, how do you even view that? Because as he told the story and as you tell the story, God was doing very similar things in both of your hearts and, and aligning it. But at the same time, baseball was taken away from you and, and you weren't able to continue on. So what were the challenges in that? But what joy did you find as, as you really pursued God in that moment? Yeah, so um, initially I just think the biggest challenge was, you know, like I didn't have any ground to stand on. I just kind of felt like everything was taken away from me. And I was looking around and I didn't really have anywhere to turn. Um, but the more I sought after God and the more I fell in love with everything that there was and having the restoration of my relationship with Coach Benjamin, um, having the love that I have for God now, um, I think the only word to describe the place I'm at now in my life would be grateful. You know, grateful for the fact that I, I got all those concussions, grateful for the fact that I can't play anymore. Um, because the joy that I have in my life now the relationships that I have in my life now and just like the way everything is um, with God and the place that he holds in my life is so much better than it mm -hmm. was a year ago, you know, even with baseball removed because there's other things that God has put in my life as a new platform for me to me to go out and perform on, you know, outside of that. So just eternally grateful. I love hearing these words like grateful and, and filled with joy. And I know this is a hypothetical situation. Uh, you can't know it fully, but maybe speak to that athlete who is wrestling with identity and, and cares more about their platform of baseball than they do about a deeper purpose. What do you think it looks like for an athlete to truly find their identity in Christ but still go play and compete at a high level? Yeah, um, 
I don't think it takes any passivity or competitiveness. Um, it doesn't change any of that aspect. Like you're still going to go out there. Like the Bible says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, you know? And so I think you're still going to go out there and it's not going to change how you go out there and compete or perform or whatever. Um, but I think the changes in your heart and the reasons and the motives behind why you do what you do. Um, for the athlete that's going out there and competing for themselves, um, win or lose, like that's going to change their mindset and they're going to get wrapped up in all these different statistics and numbers and stuff like that. Um, but the athlete that's going out there to glorify God uh, knows that there's nothing that they can do to make God love them more and there's nothing that they can do to make God love them less. And they're in a place of freedom. And when they go out there and they walk in that freedom, um, they just have fun, you know, and win or lose, like they're going to point it back to God, which is awesome. I think baseball is so fascinating because hitting percentages are so low and you <laughs> deal with failure so often. So when you speak of that type of freedom, what do you think that does to an, uh, a baseball player specifically on field performance to be able to play in freedom despite the fact that they're going to face so much failure? Yeah, so I think specifically uh, for the baseball player, it can be really easy to have two or three bad games and then just get wrapped up in that um, and just live in a place of, like, I'm not good enough, of doubt, um, and just having that become your identity. And I think when you walk in that place of freedom, you're aware of the abilities that you have and you know what is true and what isn't. And when you know what's true, you're going to understand that the game of baseball is built around failure and you're not going to let two, three, or four bad games dictate who you are. You're going to walk in that place of knowing who you are and you're going to have the ability to differentiate those negative thoughts from what is actually true and you're not going to let it affect how you play every day. Let's go back to Indiana Wesleyan baseball. You were a major part of it for three years and now it's taken away. But you also are so coach close with Coach Benjamin. You know the players. What do you see on the horizon for Indiana Wesleyan baseball, and what's the potential in the future? Yeah, so um, on the field, I think that the horizon would be a national championship pretty soon. I mean, our pitching staff is absolutely incredible. The job that Coach Holtz has done with them, I mean, they're the most competitive group of guys we have on the team, um, and the bar that they set for each other is absolutely amazing. Um, our hitters are incredible. Coach Benjamin does a great job with them. And then just everyone else, like the infielders, the outfielders, the catchers, like they're all highly driven guys. And I think we're just building on a more competitive um, culture every single year, which is awesome. And then off the field, um, one of the coolest things that I've had the privilege of being a part of is just the relationships that have been formed. Um, we have seniors and juniors bringing in sophomores and freshmen and just mentoring them and building relationships and rapport with them and kind of showing them how to go about life, not only as baseball players, but, you know, in their different majors and in their walk with Christ. And so I think the relationships that we're forming off the field are going to contribute to success on the field as well. And I think the relationship component is something that I've really seen grow in the last two years that was different from my first two years here. I think anyone that knows you knows that being all in for what's in front of you is just part of who you are. Being a competitor is in your DNA. Talk to a recruit out there who's looking at Indiana Wesleyan and, and maybe even hearing this story and say, yeah, I, I'm not sure about this whole Christian thing in baseball. I don't want to sacrifice how good I could be on the field. Why should that person consider Indiana Wesleyan as maybe the best place they could go to, to reach their potential and have a great baseball experience? 
Yeah. So um, for me, I'm a like you said, all in. You know, if I set my mind on something, that's it. Um, but it's hard for me to be all in on something if I don't know that there's a clear, concise goal and if there's a purpose for me doing something. You know. Um, and so when I look at Indiana Wesleyan baseball and the and the vision and the mission that we have, you know, um, it's clear. You know, you're you're playing not for yourself. You're not playing for anyone else. You're playing for Jesus Christ. Um, and like I said earlier, when you're doing that, it sets you free to play as hard as you can every single time you step on the field. Like you're not going out there to play for your dad or for someone else. You're not playing for Coach Benjamin to evaluate you during a practice. Like when every time you step on the field, you're giving it 110% because you're playing for the guy who made you. You're playing to glorify God. And I think that is the most competitive type of person out there. We're joined again by Athletic Director Mark DeMichael, and we're talking about the men's baseball program. Being a guy who came out of baseball as, a, as the head coach here for a lot of years, what have you seen happening over the three years that Coach Benjamin's been in charge? A lot of things have been happening, both on the field and off. I've watched, uh, baseball-wise, a, a clear elevation of the talent level, of the caliber of the athlete that is recruiting. The level of baseball playing ability has steadily increased each year and then above and beyond that and even more importantly along with that paralleling that has been a real growth maturity and deepening of the culture the selfless culture which is what coach Benjamin likes to use is he's taken Philippians 2 1 through 11 and is using the word selfless to really be the anchor for their culture and I've seen that continue to grow and increase over these three years and it's been obvious in conversation with him and based on what he articulated how his passion for the mission has grown as you've seen him buy in there and make that drive the driver of his program how have you seen that play out on the field well there's a direct relationship his teams the teams that he's been coaching you see them playing with more freedom um, playing with more commitment to each other and you just sense when you watch them that there's a joy in playing at another level that that they that wasn't there a couple years ago so I think that's a direct reflection of Number one, the fact that he's communicating the mission and the culture that he's committed to in the recruiting process right from the beginning. He's not shying away from that. He's telling young men, this is who, we're, who we are. This is what we're about. This is what you're going to experience when you come here, both on and off the field. And then he's following up those words with the actions by the programs he's put in place within the baseball team. A lot of what we've been talking about through this season is how discipleship applies to different contexts based on different personalities. So maybe we start with the personality piece. Uh, in these two episodes, we're talking to similar sports in baseball and softball, but two very different personalities in Coach Benjamin and Coach Babinski. What are you seeing in the difference between the two of them and how discipleship is expressed based on their leadership? Yeah, it's really a lot of fun for me to watch the two of them because they are such a great example of how the Lord does not is not picky about the approach of the personality that he's going to use to impact his kingdom. He he calls all of us to the same purpose, and that's to make disciples. And so the Washington two, both Coach Babinski and Coach Benjamin, go about their work, uh, their calling, so differently, yet lives are being transformed through that work is, is a lot of fun for me and really rewarding. And you have Coach Benjamin. Uh, he is a deep thinker. He's thoughtful. He's deliberate. He's very intentional. He chooses his words carefully. I know when I, whenever I get done talking with Rich, um, 
I've got to kind of review over what he said because I can't comprehend it all <laughs> the first time through because he is really a, a deep thinker and thoughtful, and he's very serious about this mission, this calling, and what's happened, especially over the last year and a half, as I think it's gone from for him where he knew coming in because we communicated to him, this is who we are, what we're about. So that first year, he knew, okay, he had been to the Christian college, so I'm going to recruit good kids and we're going to have our team devos, and we're going to pray before and after practice. He had all those things in place, but what's happened, especially in the last year and a half, is he fully embraced the depth and breadth of what this mission is all about, that it's not just praying and doing devos. There's a commitment that gets into a, a deep calling and really investing into student-athletes at a, at a different level, and he's really opened himself up and allowed the Holy Spirit to prompt him in that way. And it's fascinating to see how that translates to his players. I know I've had lunch with a couple of his guys and the interview in the second half. There's just a depth about some of his players that are a result of his leadership. But let's go to the context itself because you were in baseball for a number of years. What are the unique challenges that you face in that context of leadership, specifically when you're focused on mission? Yeah, in the sport of baseball, it can be difficult because it is a, an interesting and unique combination of you have – continuous individual battles throughout the game of baseball. When you are the batter, it's really a one-on-one -on -one competition between you and, and the pitcher at that point. And that's a mental battle, it's a strategic battle, and it's a physical battle. So uh, there's, there's such an individual element to it, yet you're on the team, and it's a part of the, the team result. So getting guys to buy in and see the fact that this selfless approach, this humility and unity approach, um, does translate to the sport of baseball. It does free you up, even though you feel like you've got to do this on your own. And Rich has done a, a really nice job of, of opening guys' eyes and hearts up to how this, this selfless um, spiritual approach to them as men and then how that translates into them as baseball players can not only transform their lives and give them a joy that they've never experienced before, but on the baseball field, it will actually help them uh, reach their maximum potential more effectively. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag ask iwoohoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iwoohoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.